Canucks Central Tuesday. It's Dan Racho and Satyar Shaw here in the Kintech studio. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider. Supported by over 5,000 five-star Google reviews. Or I should say thousands of five-star Google reviews. Mm-hmm. Sore feet. What are you waiting for? Canuck Central is for Enzyme Pacific, Vancouver's premier Chrysler, Dodge, Ram, and Jeep Superstore on 2nd Avenue between Camby and Main or at EnzymePacificChrysler.ca. Oh, the uh, the Canucks highlights are on the telly here. They so. are. They are. Um, how many goals did you call in the two games? <laughs> we were talking about this right before we came on air. So you had how many goal calls in two uh, days? Well, 23 official goals. And right. then uh, there were, if you count the uh, whatever it was at the end of the second period yesterday, a 24th. Uh, that was uh, a non-goal, then it was a goal, and then it was a non-goal. So there was 24 goal calls, essentially. 24 goal calls in two two games. Yeah, You're but two... no Canucks wins. That's all that no. matters. When was the last time you did uh, hockey play-by-play? It's been a long time. <laughs> it, you know, uh, I'm sure I speak for all of us, if not, you know, most yeah. of us. Most of us, most of us, if not all of us. Fantastic job. Well, thank you. Uh, it sounded really good. Uh, your call of that scrum was terrific, because I think you... Incum- you uh, encapsulated the chaos really well <laughs> you sounded like you were like four spros deep but yes. that's like that's how chaotic it was <laughs> man there was like three canucks on the ice nobody knew where the puck was except the referee apparently and uh <laughs> it uh somehow found its way across to, to Kirill kaprizov and he scored the tying goal it was uh it was a wild one i mean 17 goals yesterday and yeah brendan bachelor's back today so for all those that yeah. are like batch is back dan we love you but oh and two we really we really need to get batch back in the chair you know we're all superstitious or maybe a little <laughs> yeah, stitious i don't believe in any of that stuff whatever it might be right. i was getting i was getting a lot of blame people like that's fine you know you you were cool but like bring batch back it's fine the batch is back the batch is back uh so yes rory and family are are home and good and so batch is back in the chair for the canucks and the colorado avalanche tonight <laughs> rager to the dunbar lumber text inbox randeep consoling dan after the wild game like that scene from goodwill hunting not your fault dan <laughs> yeah uh Goodwill Hunting, great movie, by the way. Fantastic movie. I don't know if yeah. it's underrated. Is it underrated? I don't think a Goodwill Hunting would be considered underrated. I don't think so. I think yeah. it's been acclaimed enough mm-hmm. over the decades. It's properly rated. Yes. Yeah. Nobody's, properly nobody's underrating it, and you can't overrate it because it's that good of a yeah. movie. Yeah, terrific movie. Um, Almost as good as Dan Riccio's play-by-play. <laughs> so I appreciate that, and thank you for all the kind messages. But yes, Batch is back, and we are back to your regularly scheduled programming. You'll have uh, My Ugly Mug back on TV today. How was Bick yesterday? Was he good? Bick, great. Yeah. Great debut. Bick is pretty good. Yeah, he's good. You know, Everyone stepped up to the plate. Everyone stepped up. We showed versatility as a team. Well, I didn't. You, you and Bick did. Next man up mentality, you know, just like a good coach would say. And that's, uh, that's how we get things done around Sportsnet 650. It's good. So what's the takeaway from these last two games? Because it's two losses and something uncharacteristic is how the Canucks have performed in the third period of these losses, right? You had... The two goals they gave up against Winnipeg, that cost them the game Saturday night. And yesterday, they had seven goals that they gave up to the Minnesota Wilds. And the first time this year, they've taken a lead into the third period and lost in regulation with it. For me, it comes down to 
them maturing emotionally for the postseason. And and honestly, the more I think about the last two games and in, in rewatching parts of the game uh, last night too, I don't come away with it being overly concerned about what happened against the Jets and what happened against the Minnesota Wild. There are things that they have to clean up though. And the main thing for me is that emotional mm-hmm. maturity in the moment. Whether it's chasing something that's not there, whether it's being over aggressive at times, we need to contain yourself, or whether when the wheels are falling off, how do you slow it down without jumping off or yeah. letting it crash, right? And we saw them kind of crash at moments. And discipline's part of that. And I think that comes down to that emotional maturity. And to me, that's stuff you can figure out. I don't think it's something that's plagued them all season because not much has plagued them, if anything, no. all season. This is the first bit of real adversity they've faced now. They played two good opponents. They've lost to both. Well, I mean, Minnesota, whether you want to call, call them a good opponent or not, they were hot. They were on a 7-2-1 and one run heading into the game, playing some of their best yeah. hockey recently. Kaprizov has come alive, as you saw mm-hmm. you know, yesterday. He was pretty good. He's, he's pretty good. So was Matt Boldy. Yeah, fantastic. And Erickson Eck has uh, an offensive... Uh, gear that I didn't know that he had. Apparently, he does. No, he's he's really good. Yeah, that's why Canucks fans are trying to trade for him. <laughs> you know? And he showed that yes. in, in a big way. But to me, that's what it comes down to, Dan. It's like that emotional maturity, and can you figure that out in time for the postseason? It uh, it was just a snowball that they couldn't stop from rolling on them yesterday, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, however you want to put it, when you give up five goals in five minutes. It's pro- things aren't going well. Yeah, <laughs> there's really there's really no other way to explain it. And sure, there's five on threes in there, and it, you know this has been a team that's been able to regroup in games, mm-hmm. sort of take a deep breath, calm themselves, and find a way to settle it and get back going on the right track. Yesterday, they could not do that, and. Every goal that came, it was just like, okay, uh, where's the next mistake going to come? And it didn't come until, you know, they didn't really slow it down until the the 7-5 goal when, uh, you know, Minnesota had built uh, a, a pretty good lead, or I guess an 8-5 goal where Minnesota had built up a pretty good lead. Yeah. So when you think about how this season is gone, adversity, they still only lost two in a row. Right tonight might be their first three-game losing streak of the season, and on the scale of adversity compared to other teams around the league, it's still small. It is relative to what other teams are going through most of the time around the National Hockey League. I think the thing that I think is kind kind of bothering some, or some are you know, not think they pretty much said it is they don't think the Canucks can beat the good teams, mm. and we saw it is against Minnesota, the Jets. A good team, fair enough, but. You said if they lose three mm-hmm. and you lost to Winnipeg, if you lose to Colorado again, yeah. even though it's a second on a back-to-back. It's a schedule Alfred. loss type of situation. Yeah, I don't think it's horrible, but it's not great, right? Yeah. Like I think it's, it's, it's a tough situation to be in. But regardless, if they don't win, you can point to the Jets, Colorado, Boston. Yeah, Recently, the Canucks, when they played the best teams they have in Fairwell, and we've Brought the stat up anyways. The Canucks against top 10 teams, they have one of the best records in the league still, yeah. despite the fact the loss against the Jets, even if they even if they do lose to Colorado. But I think that's the that's the thought a lot of fans can't shake. Can the Canucks beat the top teams? Are they truly a real contender, or are they a pretender? And I think that's the, that's the thing kind of hanging around yeah. in the air with a lot of fans. And we won't know until we get to the postseason, right? I mean, when, until you get to the postseason... You know, what are you going to do? You're going to not talk about the game. Yeah. So it's it's one of those things where you can't answer it until the playoffs anyways. 
But in the moment, if they lose to Colorado, there's going to be a lot of questioning whether this team has the capacity to beat the top teams. You can't tell me otherwise that this... Like, I think this is actually a good thing for the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah. I'd rather they go through this now than, you know, closer Great. to the, the start of the playoffs or amidst your first round playoff series. You, 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 you will face adversity. Yes. And you're going to face way worse adversity in the postseason. Yes. There are going to be moments where you're going to think the entire world is conspiring against you. Yes. How, how are you going to handle that moment? And that's part of why I like the way Rick Tockett has responded uh, in the last 24 hours, because it felt as though, and even after Saturday's game against Winnipeg, and I know Tyler Myers was somewhat deflecting, uh, you know, Noah Juleson's self-criticism away yeah. from Noah Juleson, protecting a young player as a veteran player on the team. Sure, there's some of that in there when Tyler Myers said, you know, it felt like we were playing against two teams tonight, but for as much as the refereeing and the officiating has been questionable in these last few Canucks games. Power plays on Saturday against Winnipeg were still 4-4. Yeah. And yesterday, aside from the Lindholm call, which at the end of the day is a makeup call for the Myers pick that they missed on the Canucks' first goal, there's three times you go down two men one of them is a call that the referees have to make because yeah. JT Miller puts it up and over the glass. Rick Tockett mentioned it in his little post morning skate availability today that he didn't love the period, the, the penalty they took at the end of the second period, the yeah. stick penalty at the end of the second period. And obviously when he's talking about stick penalties, he's also talking about the one Teddy Bluger took in the third. So all three of those penalties are sort of by the book. You can't really debate them all that much that put the Canucks down two men and allowed Minnesota to score three goals with a two-man advantage. I, I would say I agree with Rick Tockett. This isn't a time to be blaming referees. This is a time to be looking in the mirror a little bit. You can blame referees if you want. It probably makes you feel better. And I'm sure a lot of the players wanted to blame the refs, and I'm sure Tockett himself wasn't enamored with some of the calls and how he, the game was he managed. He hinted at it Saturday night, right? He did, yeah. And, and so If you, I was on TNT, see, I'd probably be have, saying something else right now. Exactly, but he's like, yeah, I'm not on TNT. Yeah. But you can make excuses all you want. You can be justified in, in your excuses, but what does it help you at all? It doesn't. It doesn't, doesn't get you anywhere. No. And I think as a team that is aspiring to not just – have a good regular season, but do something come to playoffs, your standards have to be high. Yeah. If you have high standards, you have to look at, okay, we lost and there were some bad calls against us, but what did we do wrong within in our control to lose this hockey game? Yeah. And unless you're able to be reflective of that, it doesn't matter what anybody else did, right? And you're not going to get anywhere. You have to still have accountability for what you could control and what they could control, they didn't control well enough. And it's a shame because five on five, I did think they played really well. Yeah. I thought against the Jets, five on five, they played really well. Yep. Special team. had like eight shots or nine shots yeah. midway through the second period. There wasn't much going on for him. The third and things unraveled when yes. on special teams, but five on five, the Canucks still outscored them five four. Yeah. So it wasn't, and they still outchanced them everything. So there are elements that were really positive, and that's the frustrating part of losing a game like that because it was within your control to win that game. Yeah. But the concern, I think, in terms of the hockey portion of things the last couple of games, forget the, you know, 
the intangible stuff we talk about, can you beat good teams or not, and emotional stuff, yada, yada. What about special teams? Yeah. We know the PK has improved. And should we be critical of the PK, considering they've been down two men five times the last two games? So, yeah. They allowed, what, three two-man advantage goals yesterday. Yeah. And then the fourth power play goal was a regular five-on-four goal. Saturday, they allowed two more power play goals. So that's six power play goals over the last two games. Yeah. The PK, I would say, because of all the five-on-three goals, I'm still waiting for the sample to sort of grow and see, you know, I know some people have come out and been like, well, is is this Dakota Joshua missing from the PK? Is that I'm part sure of it? it doesn't help. You know, Carson Soucy's a big part of the PK as well, but they'd been having success without yes. him anyhow. Um, I, I don't, I can't really put the PK on injuries because look, you give a team that many five on three advantages, you're going to get burnt. Exactly. And that comes down to discipline more than anything else. Yes. The Lindholm call, as we talked about, horrible, whatever, but regardless, you still comes down to discipline. Don't put a puck over the glass, yeah. things like that. End right? of the day, like discipline is the biggest part of this. Yeah. And that's what coaches mentioned because when you let the emotions of a game or the momentum of a game, whatever it is, the frustrations of a game, of frustrations of a bad whistle, frustrations of the puck bouncing in ways that are unfavorable to you, whatever it might be, you can't let the frustrations of a game, the emotions of a game pull you out of your staples of what makes you a good hockey team. And I think that's more than anything what's been happening where – the Canucks are getting a little too emotional and yeah. they're, you know, stepping up for a hit as we saw on Saturday night, or they're leaving too many odd man Russians o o open going the other way for the opponent. But even if you want to make that play, that stepping up the, the one Noah Juleson did, well, get your stick on the puck yeah. before you make the hit, right? You can, you can, and that's what talk had meant. And even with Garland, how he was shading, it's like you can make that play differently mm -hmm. than how it was executed. So it also comes down to, but even yes. Zadorov did it earlier in the game. Exactly. It was, hap like, it was happening a bit too much. It just felt like the emotions, the Canucks wanted to, to play a physical game, and it pulled them away from some of the characteristics that have made them a successful hockey team. And if you can be emotionally mature and channel that the right way, yeah. you can still do the, make the right decision and be aggressive. And that's the thing you want to aspire to get to, and hopefully they do get to that point come the postseason. And the PK I'm with. You. I think the PK has been on a good run. I like the personnel on it, even with Dakota Joshua and Susie out. I have more confidence in the PK right now, figuring yeah. it out, than I do the power play. And it's not because I don't think the power play can't can't figure it out, and not because they don't have the personnel. They're just very much in the infancy phase of figuring out what it's going to look like with Lindholm there. Having two righties now all of a sudden, I yeah. think they've thrown everything into whack. They're trying different things. And I do think they're going to figure it out. But I'm not sure they're any closer today than they were yesterday or the game before to figuring anything out on that man advantage. They yet. did score on the man advantage yesterday, but it was Miller throwing a puck at the net from the point, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, you're going to score, you're gonna, they're going to score goals, but we know what this power play can look like when yeah. it's on. We know what this power play being on looks like. And it hasn't looked like that. It hasn't been that good. The only time it looked like that to me was the first power play against the Jets. Yep. They, were, they were moving the puck really well, created a couple of chances. I'm like, oh, yeah, maybe they got something cooking. Yep. And then they haven't replicated that since. And even that, after the power play, they were able to build momentum off yeah. of it and continue having a couple of big shifts in the offensive zone. And that's something you know, we just haven't seen, right? They're not even building momentum on the power play, nothing of that sort. 
yesterday, you know, the the first power play of the game, they're essentially like less than a minute in, and Rick Toggett's like, get off the ice. Yeah. I'm, pull, I'm pulling this first power play unit out of here because this is – Seen enough. I've seen enough. And that's always a bad sign when your first unit's getting pulled off the ice less than a minute into a power play. And it shows the frustration that the coach is having with how this is working out. And sure, guys are in new spots. You're trying to figure out something new. What's the biggest difference with Lindholm being there? I mean, Andre Kuzmenko was a right shot. So should it be all that different when, you know, Lindholm is still a right shot? Kuzmenko was a right shot. He was the guy that was on that top unit Mm -hmm. earlier. It just, the, the execution isn't there. And a lot of it is on the entries like they're just they're not even getting set up well enough or no. often enough when the power plays do come their way and they're too methodical and i'm all for it and this is the, the entries feel slow they, they are because they're they're methodical and trying to get the perfect entry with the draw pass and i'm yeah. all for using the draw pass but it's the same entry they want to use and there's so many times the guys open on the point i'm just, just passing to the puck yeah why are you like just, just pass him? Just get in. Yeah, just, just, just get pass in. him. Just that's, pass him the puck. That's all we need to do. We don't you know? need to go to the playbook with the drop pass, and then you know we have two guys skating through the neutral zone, and then you flip it over to the guy that's sitting at the left of the blue line, and then he goes yeah. one two with you as you're streaking through the zone. Like we know the play. We, we know the, we've seen it enough times. We all know the play, and it's good. You don't always have to go no. to that same play, and especially when something's wide open for you. Yeah, just take it. Sometimes you just take what's there for you. Well, and they they would do that in the past where uh, Hughes is slowly coming up the ice and it's like oh miller's like streaking through and he's going to get a breakaway like i'll just do that yeah <laughs> instead, of, <laughs> no. in, instead of trying to methodically carry it through the zone and, and get the drop pass and get it in and i think when you're at that stage it goes back to what i meant by they're in the infancy phase of figuring out what to do right now because they're changing things up and i do think they'll get through it it's just I'm just not sure when that's going to be with yeah. how things are going right now because they've been very inconsistent with it. The glass half full is um, they come out better for it, right? Um, Miller is finding a way to be constructive in a new way, <laughs> in a new part or a new area of the offensive zone on the power play. So maybe you're able to build a more diverse playbook as you get into the playoffs potentially that's the glass half full view of it but you know we're talking about a few months now where the power play has been an issue where we're talking about it as when are these guys going to come out of it it's not just since Elias Lindholm yeah. got here no because I mean they, they had the tottest power play in the league to start the season then they were two second for a big portion of it they've dipped to outside the top 10 right now yeah and that's been a precipitous fall Basically from where they were. Basically since December. Yeah, and, and like since December, they, their power play is kind of like in the 20s. Yeah. It, it's really struggled, right? But they're still talented enough where it hasn't become this big issue for them yet. Yeah. And the power play thing is really fickle. Just because you have a lot of talent doesn't mean you you will necessarily figure it out. I still have confidence because they have so many pieces that make so much so much sense and so much talent that I think they will figure it out. But look at the Pittsburgh Penguins right now. I mean, they have Malkin, they have Crosby, they had Gensel until he got hurt. They had Gensel, you have Latang, and they have one of the worst power plays in the league. Yeah. And they can't seem for the life of them to figure it out. No. And it, it, it isn't always about talent. You know, we've seen other big time units struggle at different points, but I can't. It's so hard with Elias Pettersson because he's having a great season. 
by the numbers, you see he's having a great season. He leads the team in points, all these things. Walt Miller, uh, I guess, took that back yesterday. But he's doing so many good things. And it feels like there is a microscope on anything that may not be working out for him. But I think one of the areas I'm seeing him struggle is on the power play, where it seems like he's trying to force plays, where we're seeing him bobble passes, you know, not on the same page with Quinn Hughes yesterday, where, you know, Hughes passes the puck to him and he just lets it go as if there's a teammate there and there's not. Yeah. So it's I'm finding it hard to have the Pedersen discussion knowing that we can see better of him, but also at the same time, some of the narrative has been way too strong about how poorly he's played because he's not played that poorly. Yeah, it's the extremes yes. that, that people kind of go to. And I think anybody who watches this team closely and has watched this team closely uh, comes away with the conclusion that Patterson doesn't look his best. Yeah. Like, he, he doesn't, especially his two-way game, right? But he's still trying. Like, you know, one of the things we joke about is people will text in and say, you know, the guy can't hit. He doesn't block shots. No forward on the Canucks has more blocked shots than Elias Patterson. <laughs> he has 80, what, he has like 90 hits, I think, yeah. on, on the season, almost, or at 90 hits, which puts him like third or fourth on the team, which is, I mean, it's a lot of hits. Like, he throws the body. So I think he's trying. His defensive awareness at times like he just makes weird decisions that you're not used to seeing him make yeah and and you're seeing him like raymond mentions here about the entire power play that how often they lose the puck themselves it's crazy either way that, that it happens that much with with the talent that they have on it and same with Patterson. he's so talented he shouldn't be looking like that half the time but it's he's not getting like pass through three bodies yeah. at times it's just like you're not you're not gonna make that pass and bobbling the puck yeah. or whatever but the, the the hilarious thing about it though is we're sitting here and nitpicking his game which is fair like we just mentioned but the guy has 73 points in 57 games, 29 goals. He has the most goals of any Western Conference player since the calendar turned to 2024. Yeah. So, <laughs> I and mean, he added to that tally yesterday. Yeah. So, I'm. It, it's, it's hard to look at and say he's really struggling, but I, I get like when you watch him. That's yeah. why, to me, I'm not, I'm not going to be overly critical when the guy's being this, this productive, but he doesn't look himself quite yeah. right now. He's, uh, you know, there's been some, some bad turnovers, right, that we've seen, and uh, Rick Tockett has even uh, sort of hinted towards and vented yeah. about a little bit. I think we've seen him dive in more uh, defensively than we're used to seeing in, in, in the past. There's just, uh, and maybe it is to do with the contract. Who knows? But there's something there with Elias Pettersson that his game just, as good as the numbers look on the surface, there has to be a feeling of there's another level he can get to. Yeah. More than anything else, that's what it is. And to me, again, like I, these things are very encouraging because if we were looking at this team and saying, and, and these players saying, man, these guys are maxing out. Yeah. Like right now I'm seeing like this guy max out, this guy max out. The team can't play at a better capacity than what they're playing at right now. And perhaps from, from a results standpoint, because they've been so red hot this year, maybe you can't match your results to the same winning percentage. But I think in terms of how you play the game, they can be a lot better. And that's going to translate far better in the postseason if and when that happens. And given what we've seen from this team with the growth that they've shown, I'm going to, I'm going to bank on them continuing to do that. And I'm banking on Pedersen figuring it out or at least finding that next level by the time you get into the postseason. And if that happens, then now you're really on to something, right? And I've been saying this the last few games. Like I'm relishing all these 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 big games right now and this so-called yeah. adversity. Because this is the type of atmosphere you're gonna have to get used to in the postseason. Dan Richo and Satyar Shah still to come. 
We've got Don Taylor, who will be joining us via the Dispatch Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning Hotline. The first call, the only call, and we'll continue to get you ready for the Canucks and Colorado Avalanche. Another big one for Vancouver as they look to uh, keep the streak alive, still being the only team in the league to have not lost three games in a row. That could come to an end tonight in Colorado. Pre-game starting at 4, at, no, 5 o'clock on Sports at 6.50. We got new uh, bumpers here on the show. Wow. Putting in work. Love, love to hear it. Stan Riccio and Satyar Shah. We're here in the Kintec studio as uh, we get ready for the Canucks and Colorado Avalanche. Pre-game starting up at 5. We will uh, get to Sportsnet Pacific at 5.30 today. No game to uh, join in progress from, so we'll have a full half-hour pre-game show. Dandy. Should be good. A lot to talk about. A lot to dis- discuss with uh, with the Vancouver Canucks as um, the biggest trial hockey has ever seen came to an end today, Sad. I don't know. I don't know if you saw Morgan Riley's suspension upheld. Yeah, and uh, a lot of tears being shed <laughs> in Toronto. <laughs> Gary Bettman let out an 11-page document explaining his decision, I, I love which was picked apart by hockey Twitter. It's just like, come on. Every every word was parsed. Um, <laughs> yes. It was really, really funny, and it, it was a really interesting juxtaposition comparing the statement they had on uh, the Shane Pinto suspension yes, and <laughs> the 11-page expose yes. on... Uh, uh, on the Riley suspension? Yeah, I, I am pretty sure the reason uh, Shane Pinto didn't appeal is so that <laughs> they didn't have to do any kind of an explanation as to... Uh, he doesn't want to go to jail, okay? Yes, <laughs> as to exactly what happened with uh, with that suspension. We may never know the full details of what exactly happened there. Uh, we are awaiting uh, Don Taylor, who is uh, scheduled to join us uh, here on, on Canuck Central, but... Uh, Still waiting on that. Um, so the Colorado Avalanche tonight, you know, I I get it. You know, we're a Canadian hockey market, and you're going to live and die with every loss. That's what being a fan is is essentially all about. And sometimes it's it's on us to be like, hey, tranquilo, tranquilo. You know, yeah. just like chill out a little bit. Let's uh, let's take a deep breath and. Maybe not ride the roller coasters up and down as much as we have. Because, look, the Canucks have lost 20 games this year, and sometimes the fallout of every loss feels like enough for three losses at a time. Yeah, I, I still think uh, there a lot of emotions still relate to watching the team be really bad for a long yes. period of time, and you still haven't shaken the feelings after a loss that that came with this, you know, existential dread oftentimes. And about, the like, unexpectedness of the success this year, too, I think. I think so as well, and it's kind of like, is this for real or not? Is this the first sign of it not being uh, for real? And I see I see a lot of that, especially on social media, which I think is funny. Our text inbox is really interesting after <laughs> after games and during games half the time. But, but you do see... I think that nervousness about the team, anytime they they lose a game or stub their toe and there's this sense that it's just a sign of things to come, which I think is, you know, a negative way of watching and thinking about your team. But I guess it's not an easy thing to shake after all the years. Uh, at the end of the day, they are still 5-3-2 uh, over their last 10, which is uh, not an incredible number, but it's also not bad. And 
that part of it is uh, still encouraging. Now, tonight you get the Colorado Avalanche. And the reason I'm going down this path is the continued look at the potential of finishing first in the Western Conference. Now, the Canucks are on 80 points. They have played the most games in the West. So every team below them has an opportunity to catch up with their games in hand. Edmonton still has five games in hand on the Vancouver Canucks. But we've talked about this, right? Like, you could look at that as a good thing for Edmonton, but also Edmonton's got to play basically – more than a game every other night yeah. from now until the end of the season. So it it's is tough. it's going to wear on them at some point. Um, but Colorado tonight, currently a team that is eight points back of the Vancouver Canucks. You know, these are big games in the race for first in the West and the opportunity to finish first and have that second wild card team be your first playoff opponent rather than you know, one of the seven potential contenders we've talked about all season long. Yeah, and I mean, ultimately, you're you're going to have to face some good teams, but any path to a Stanley Cup also requires some things breaking for you, mm-hmm. and those things include who you play, yeah, and also who may get knocked out in other series before you get to a conference final or a Stanley Cup final, right? But well, I think for the way the Canucks have gone about this season. I'm not saying if you if you don't finish first in the Western Conference, it's going to be this massive disappointment. But you want to be able to see them go wire to wire. I think that's important for, for the team and where they're trying to go. And, and what we just talked about in the previous segment, there are areas of this game, of this team, that still have to improve. They haven't proven anything yet in yeah. the postseason, right? They haven't proven anything yet in terms of what degree of contender they are once the postseason comes around. So what are the goals you set for yourself to maintain that ambition and maintain that hunger to get better. And I think going for the top seed in the West, like I don't care about the president's trophy. I, I could not care less. Yeah. You know, I, I'm actually hoping somebody in the, in, in, in the East runs away with it and wins the president's trophy. Cause I don't want to hear about everybody texting in about how president's trophy winners never win. And it's a cursed thing to have because the Canucks have had it twice and it hasn't amounted to anything. So I'd rather avoid that discussion to be honest, but I think finishing first in the conference, from that standpoint, I almost value more than who they play. And yes, it makes it easier for you for who you play, but having something to inspire them and keep them ambitious to keep getting better, which is what they need to do. Because if they don't get better, they don't have a chance of doing much of anything in the playoffs outside of maybe winning a round, maybe winning two. Yeah. But can you, can you do something special? And for that, they have to improve. And you still have you know 26 games to go for you to improve your game. It's... Uh... It's just little things, right? Like finding those extra little moments, extra little 2% that can make you that much better as a team. And, you know, we've talked about their five-on-five play being pretty good lately, but, you know, can they get their special teams back on track? These are big parts of their potential success going into the postseason. It's funny you mentioned the uh, the President's Trophies. I was perusing around a, uh, a, a discount store. Uh, discount designer store, I would mm-hmm. say. And uh, there were some hats on the rack. And I went over and I looked at it. There was uh, a Canucks skate hat uh, with a nice big V behind it. And it was, it was like, it was, it was a nice hat, right? And I could tell from the brand it was it was a good brand. And then I'm like, I grabbed the hat off the rack and I, I take a look around. And on the side of the hat, it's inscribed, Vancouver's Finest, established in 1970, 
two president's trophies. <laughs> and to that, I was like, who made this? <laughs> Somebody made a special edition somewhere. How much was it? It was like twenty four ninety nine or something. It was, did it you was, buy it? No, I did not. No. Should have bought it. I mean, look, I, I, we had this discussion debate last week. I'm, I'm the first guy to be like, you know what? President's trophies, they get a bad rap. Everybody says they're a curse and they're bad. Like, hey, celebrating that you were the best team over 82 games in a league of 30 or now 32 teams, like that's that's still something to celebrate. But I I don't know if I'd be like putting that on a hat or a t-shirt, especially when you don't have a Stanley Cup. <laughs> that's 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 maybe where where uh, where I draw the line, but I, I I wasn't surprised that it ended up on the discount rack, to say the least. Should have got it. We would put it on the shelf back here. <laughs> that might have been a good idea, actually. Should tell Cam. Uh, it's coming out of the business budget. Uh, all right. Uh, <laughs> uh, Dan Richo and Satyar Shah. Um, Donnie's yes. getting chirped. Uh, Moj and Van uh, helicopters slow flying. Donnie back to Anmore. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, uh, the search for for Donnie is on as he uh, was scheduled to join Canuck Central here. No, we'll figure it out. Uh, he'll he'll be around eventually. If not today, then uh, then maybe tomorrow. We are expecting the uh, debut of Arshdeep Baines tonight against the Colorado Avalanche. We're going to dive more into this uh, over the course of the pregame show, but this is a very interesting player, Sat. Right? Not. Uh, for more than just, you know, the hockey of it all, of course, um, you know, we've talked about it culturally uh, coming from Surrey, Vancouver kids playing for his hometown team. And the story just, I mean, it writes itself as far as great sports stories are concerned on top of the cultural perspective, mm-hmm. undrafted, um, <laughs> Gets into the AHL via the Vancouver Canucks, signed afterwards, and here he is making his debut just not even two years since he signed with the Canucks as an overager. It's a pretty it's a pretty incredible story of development for Marsh Deep Baines. It really is, and is a testament to him more than anything else. Yeah. The amount of work he's put in and how far he's come. And the other part of it too is the pride the organization can take for number one, finding him in terms of getting him as a, as a free agent who was undrafted, and also what they've done in Abbotsford in developing players. And we don't know yet what Baines' career is going to look like. We don't know what type of player he's going to be. All we know is he's going to get his debut in the National Hockey League. And for you to get players who were undrafted to even play a single game, it's, it's a special thing, yeah. right? Now, can it, can it be... 100 games, 200 games, 300 games. You know, Hopefully it's it's one of those careers, but we'll see. And I, I don't want to put anything on the kid. Let's let him play a couple of games. Maybe let's get one in and let, let's see where it goes. But it should give, I think, fans some excitement about a local kid getting a chance. And also what the organization has done from a draft, a, a development standpoint with a lot of players where they're bringing guys in and seemingly turning them into real options in the NHL. As for Baines... Um... You know, I think there is some real quality to his game. He's picked up his pace. One thing I did notice um, Saturday when he took warm-up after getting the call-up, not that he's short, but 
he's still going to need to have some time to to thicken up because he did look a little bit smaller than his teammates while he was taking warm up. But for now, it's not going to matter too much for Archie Baines, who is expected to make his NHL debut tonight. We welcome in our Monday regular here on a Tuesday because we were just doing the Canucks in Minnesota Wild yesterday. It's Don Taylor joining us here on Canucks Central. Donnie, how you doing? Pretty good, Jim. Really well. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it, it, it's an interesting uh, one. We're uh, I called we're... you, Jim, because of Jim Robson. Come on, now. oh yeah, you know, come on. I, Work I with me here. Totally over my head. Okay. I, I started as much laughing, as I like Jim Robson, but my but, mic yes. was off, Danny. Was, Donnie. It was one of those things. Like I think he just called me Jim, and I'm not sure if he actually did. So I'm just going to yeah. pretend like nothing happened. Jim Robson. <laughs> hey, listen. I'm, I'm still kind of with it, okay? Like, I, I don't, I, well, look, I, I, if you watch our show and, uh, you know, everybody makes mistakes. But I thought that one was a gimme, and, man, I don't know. I yeah. don't know. You're working oh. too hard. Make, making me look bad right over my head. <laughs> Great Appreci- job, by the way. Oh, thank you, Donnie. Appreciate that. Yeah. It's uh, just keeping the seat warm for our, for our friend uh, Brendan Batchelor, who is, who is back today. And, um, I mean, okay. I'm not going to lie. I am pretty lucky though to ca- to to get to call 17 goals yesterday. It was like it was a throwback to the 80s kind of barn burner, Donnie. Yeah, I yeah, I, yeah, I think the 80s would have been surprised by that game uh, by that game last night. The Canucks had given up 13 goals twice and uh, that was both you mentioned the 80s. It was both in the 80s, 85 and 86, once against Philly, once against Edmonton, two pretty powerful teams, but it was just, you know, it was, I just wasn't sure what I was watching. It was just completely unbelievable, especially for this to happen. If this happened last year, I don't think anybody would have, you know, it would have been totally shocked. But for it to happen this year with mm-hmm. this team and the way this season has gone, it was, it was just like, I, I just wasn't sure what I was watching. Still not sure what I, what, what I watched and just how strange it was with, with four or five on threes and goals going in off. Minnesota skates and, and, and Canuck skates and questionable calls and non-calls. And there's just so much happening and it wasn't over really the, what was happening. You know, the, the real memorable moments, it wasn't over three periods. It was like, what, uh, 21 minutes, 22 minutes. Yeah. If you, if you, if you count, you know, the goal that Minnesota got at the end of the second, it's just really, really surprising given, you know, the time that the, the timer in hockey wise and, in the season the Canucks are having, and yeah, just re- re- really surprising. Do you come away from the last two games being concerned about the team, or do you look at it as they have things they can can and, and should improve, but they will probably probably figure it out, or are you, are you a bit worried about what you've seen? Yeah, they've lost four seven, but they're still first place overall. Every team's going to go through something. Well, I don't know if they're going to go through a game like yesterday, mm-hmm. but every team is going to go through a slump, and I, I you know. It's just uh, hockey, like so many things in life, is can be about the law of averages. Yeah, and I'll I'll bet there's a just a small piece he would never admit it of Rick Tockett, who may be a little bit happy. Hey, look, let this happen now, let let a game like that happen now. I let it, I thought Winnipeg was really good on Saturday. Let okay, let that happen now in February versus April. Let's get that out of our system. Regroup for tonight in, in Colorado. So it's the old. You know, they instantly get a chance to try to try to redeem themselves tonight against a pretty good a team that's struggling, but a very very good hockey team. I, I just I just think that there might be a piece of Rick Tockett saying, okay, 
this is good. Let's get this out of the way and move on. I, I almost feel like coaches uh, like a good loss or two once in a while just so that they can uh, really hammer home whatever message <laughs> they're trying to send because, you know, when uh, when you're winning 8, 9, 10 in a row or 8 out of 10 all the time, it's it's kind of hard to get your message across that uh, there's something slipping in your game. Yeah, no no question about it. Um, it something like this, again, was, was bound to happen. And, you know, as a coach, you can say, hey, look, what I've been preaching, you see what happened? This and what you're talking about, Dan. That, you know, see what happened there. You, you didn't listen to what I said, and look, look, look what happened. And he was really upset, I think, with uh, he, you know playing under pressure yesterday. And he, mm-hmm. he's talked about you know, playing um, with adversity and overcoming adversity, and you know playing under pressure, like, like doing things like you know when when you're getting pressured, control your stick. Don't mm-hmm. take these stupid uh, stick penalties that, you know, what happened in a peewee game. So now because they lost like that, he can he can look at it and say, see, you see what happens as opposed to reeling off win after win. Because I, I, we all know the way coaches think. At least we hear about what they have to say. And I, I can guarantee that when they're reeling off win after win, they're thinking to themselves, Jesus, we we, we got to lose here because this is, this is not good. This is the the, the – the, Luck is bound to run out, and it's time, you know, for us to maybe just learn a lesson here. So it's good that it happened now. I'm sure that's what Rick Tockett is is, is thinking. The only thing I'm I wouldn't say concerned about, but that's kind of has my has the a flag up for me that needs to get figured out is the power play, and they've had some moments where it's looked good, but since Lindholm has joined, it, it really seems like they're trying to figure some new things out. I'd say that's that's my biggest concern. What what, what would be your concern about what they have to kind of figure out between now and the end of the season? Well, guys, I don't know what you think when you're watching the power play, but versus earlier in the season or when it when it has been working well. I don't see the movement mm-hmm. that I uh, that I saw earlier on, and, I, and it just sounds like such a simple thing, but I'm, I'm just not not seeing it uh, with with the Canucks right now, and and you know I just think that's where they got to get back to. They got to get back to moving around and 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 being a little less predictable, and you know just doing things they haven't done before. But I think it starts with movement, and easier said than done. I get that. But, you, you know, you, you have to get open for a pass. You have to get open for a shot. You have to crisscross. And I just think that's where they got to go is, you know, to be unpredictable. And that starts with movement. And I just haven't seen that in their power play versus earlier in the year when it, when it seemed to – well, it was working a, a lot better. So that, that, that's where I'd start. I mean, the unpredictability comes with movement. And they just haven't done that enough lately in, from what I'm seeing. Uh, we are expecting the debut of one Arshdeep Baines tonight. He would be the fourth Punjabi player to play a game in the in the NHL. Hometown kid, and you know we know the big Indo-Canadian population of of Vancouver in this city is is really cheering on Arshdeep. It's it's quite the story, and it just seems like the perfect player to to have a great career with the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah, what a, what a what a tremendous part of the fan base it is for the Vancouver Canucks. There wasn't there obviously. Uh, early on when I started or started watching the Canucks, just such an important part of the community, important part of the fan base, important for, for, for the Canuck, uh, for the Canuck business. And it's just, it's just great to see. And, um, you know, and it goes beyond that. Let's, 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 um, let's not talk about that for a second and just talk about Arshdeep Baines as a hockey player. Yeah. 
I mean, he wasn't drafted. He wasn't drafted in the Bantam draft. Mm-hmm. He wasn't in the WHL Bantam draft. wasn't drafted in the National Hockey League. Kind of an afterthought. And then he ends up, you know, leading the WHL in scoring and, and points. And what was the talk there? Well, he's, you know, he's, he's 20 years old. Of course, he's dominating at that point. But, well, you know, we'll, we'll see how he does at the professional level. And, you know, for him to be named MVP of the All-Star game, uh, for for him to you know lead the Abbotsford Canucks in, in points up against that competition that a lot of people thought he couldn't handle. So forget you know for for a second if it's possible to forget about uh, the Indo Canadian aspect of it and just what a story he is as as a hockey player. It just it's not supposed to happen like that where you get overlooked so many times and you persevere. And um, it's just a, it's just a great story. It's a great story for kids out there. You know, no matter what color your skin is, just a great, great, great story. And I'm just uh, so happy for him and happy for that community to have somebody like that represent them. And he, he was on our show recently. Mm-hmm. He was just, he couldn't have been uh, nicer. And uh, yeah, every, I think everybody in town is really pulling for this guy. Let, let's not forget, he's, he's, he's a Vancouver, I know he's from Surrey, but Vancouver, right, uh, British Columbian. But we're, we're all pulling for the guy. Yeah, and anytime uh, you can, you have a guy coming through who was grew up a Canucks fan and gets to put on the jersey of the yeah. team that he grew up cheering for. Just a fantastic story. And uh, I'd say the other part of it too is the organization keeps finding these good stories and finding players, whether it's at the NHL level or guys are developing, and it looks pretty promising from from that standpoint as well, organizationally. Yeah, and, and you know, and, and you know, you talk about the college free agents that they signed at the end of last year. You take a shot. You're at you're, they're at that point last year where it's hey, listen, we're not that good. Let's let let's take a shot. And and you know, it seems like not only did they roll the dice on players because they weren't because as an organization they hadn't done much from that point of view. They needed to build up their prospect pool, but it seems like they picked the right guys as well. Like like given the fact that you know they came cheap. They didn't have to do anything to acquire them. And they've, they've done a good job from that point of view. So it's not just a matter of getting somebody. It's get, getting the right somebody. And it seems like that's the case with, with Archdeep Baines. And just, uh, like I say, so many people are, are, are pulling for him. And it's just uh, so happy for him and happy for the whole uh, Indo-Canadian community. And just, uh, and to, you know, to have another Canadian on the team is good. Yes. We get those complaints. <laughs> we get those complaints all the time. I don't know about you guys in our inbox. Yeah. You know, enough Canadians on the uh, on the. Uh, on the Canucks, and not only is this guy Canadian, but he's also from here. It makes it extra special. Uh, Donnie, you're the best. I'll uh, try to catch that reference next time. <laughs> yeah, sorry for being a little late. And uh, yeah, Jim, and you know, when I said Jim, it was kind of like uh, it was uh, there was two references there. Let's not forget yeah. Jim Houston. Yeah. Also, just a tremendous broadcaster. I miss both those guys. Uh, thanks a lot, Donnie. You bet. Thanks, have guys. Uh, there is Don Taylor joins us uh, weekly here on Canuck Central. It's Dan Richo, Satyar Shaw. Coming up, the pregame. Canucks and Colorado Avalanche on the Sportsnet Radio Network.